In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. I'm Common. And I'm Nathan. And we have another very special episode. We have the 1987 movie The Hidden. It originally came out October 30th, 1987, just in time for Halloween. Uh, or when is Halloween? 31st. Oh, 30th, 31st. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, just in time. <laughs> yeah. Directed by Jack Shoulder. <laughs> I'm guessing that's how you say his name. Yeah, that's how I heard it pronounced in things I watched about it. Yeah, his work is probably... His, Probably his biggest movie is directing the Night Nightmare on Elm Street two. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's done a lot of TV movie stuff. He did one of our kind of guilty pleasures of By Dawn's Early Light, which yeah. was like an early HBO movie. Yeah, it's nineteen ninety HBO World War Three. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of TV movie and uh, TV series stuff. And shot by Jacques Haken, who oh, what's he? He's worked with that guy. He worked. He also he shot both. The first two Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That's what he did. Okay. Um, and like a lot of his cinematography stuff is kind of on low budget, like horror movies and stuff. But he has like a lot of big credits as a second unit director. Like he did second unit for uh, Kong, Skull Island, and like one of the Fast and Furious movies and Venom. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's a, like, we said, so yeah, so he does like cinematography for lower budget movies and then does second unit for a lot of bigger movies. He also like did. A movie that kind of like has a lot of cross section with all the movies that he shot, uh, Cherry Two Thousand. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Which weirdly, yeah, a lot of movies we've done has has crossed paths with that movie several times. So maybe we'll have to just do that at some point. Because <laughs> I only vaguely know what that movie is through a podcast. I've never actually seen it. Yeah, I I knew what I thought it was, but I got it all wrong. So maybe we should actually watch it. <laughs> uh, written by Jim Koof, who. Uh, Oh, you wrote, yeah, you wrote, like, the Rush Hour movies and National Treasure. Okay. <laughs> and the Stakeout movies. All right. Well, good. So it's got a wide body of work there. Oh, yeah, Con Air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cal the one movie, California, with a K. Oh, is that the one with Brad Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, some sort of serial killer. And it's got David Duchovny in it. Yeah. He also, I think he was, like, uh, yeah, he created the series Grimm, which has, like, hundred episodes to it, so that seems to be successful. I've never seen it, but <laughs> any movie that any show that has like six seasons has to be successful in some way. So and then of course stars stars Kyle McLaughlin, Michael Nori, who I don't really know. <laughs> he was any? like a I'm trying to think of I know he was he was on like um he was in Flashdance, um and he did a lot of like daytime TV, like All My Children. Oh, okay. And then he started doing like, oh, he was on NCIS. Okay. Uh, and then some other stuff like that. But he was, yeah, he was kind of more of a, yeah, like a, kind of a daytime actor at this time. 
Well, it's funny. The trivia says like so many people off those move this movie. Like apparently, like Mel Gibson. Oh wait, no. Other way around. Apparently, Michael Noria was up for the Mel Gibson part, but he turned it down to do this. Yeah, so. that was a good choice. <laughs> uh, and Claudia Christian, who I most know as like the was she like the the security head of security in Babylon Five. Yeah, so the, the weirdest season of Babylon Five. Uh, she was the she was the uh, like co captain or whatever. Oh, is she only one season? I thought she was in multiple. I thought she only did the last season or maybe it was the last two seasons i'm not sure i know like the first season's weird because in the second season they changed the cast around so yeah yeah she was in 87 episodes of babylon 5 so yeah oh, okay. she, was in... she was in more than that all right yeah and babylon 5 i remember her as being as like kind of like the no-nonsense head of security and then like cracks a joke at the end of every episode <laughs> it's like see we have fun around here it's not all dire circumstances <laughs> And of course, uh, <clears throat> my favorite name, part of the cast, and I don't, even, I don't even know who this is. I only know the name. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm, that's right. Yeah, she was uh, Ivanova. She left in the at the, after the fourth season. Okay. She was just like a recurring in the fifth season because the fifth season was the weird season. I was thinking of someone else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even know who he is in this movie. Um, but this is a funny name that I always hear brought up in like mystery science theater. And that's Clue Gulliger. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who he was in this movie. It says Lieutenant Ed Flynn. I don't remember who that is. But that's a great name. Clue Gulliger. <laughs> that is a good name. <laughs> oh, and he just died like in August of 2022. Huh, huh. So he was around, those 93. So he was around a long time. Yeah, I did a lot of Westerns. At least that's his his portrait in his uh, internet movie database profiles in one of his Westerns he did, but... So he's basically in that around that day where like every show was a western. So remember, if you hate if you hate superhero stuff, imagine the hate for thirty years of westerns. Yeah, <laughs> leading the way in Hollywood. Imagine when Bonanza was the biggest thing on TV, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's a fine show, but I couldn't yeah. imagine. I just can't in my mind be like, this was like the dominant television show in this country for like ever. Yeah, and so like, Nathan, what's what's your history with the hidden? Because because I like I, as you think of like a B movie that people suggest, this is the movie I think of that of you suggesting to me like, oh, that's a cool movie. People don't think of. Yeah, it. I forget. Um, I think this was like because eighty seven. I would have been like I don't know, twelve something. I'm not <laughs> sure. Well, let's say I was born in seventy four. So, yeah, I would have been like thirteen years old. 12, 13 years old. And I remember just from the original box art of this, seeing this in a, in a store for rent. So it would have been like 88 or whatever. And I was, I was like, uh, yeah, we should rent this, you know, and it, it's just like, it was an R rated movie. So of course, you know, you had to find some adult to rent it. So you just like somebody's mom or something would be like, yeah, get to get this, 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 and this. And, um, this was one that I wanted to see just based on the box art. It's like, yeah, this looks pretty cool. And, I remember watching it, and at first I was thinking, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a movie. Because, see, I'm not a guy who likes um, – I don't like a lot of, like, the horror that was around in the 80s where it's yeah. just, like, gore and stupidity and people do, and just people being pulled apart and weird <laughs> effects and stuff like that. Now, I did like The Thing by John Carpenter, but that also had a great, like, story and acting behind it. So I was a little, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this, but if this just becomes one of those gross-out, dumb horror movies, then I'm not going to 
I'm not going to watch this. But, uh, yeah, I remember uh, yeah, yeah, I was watching it for, like, the first five minutes when he's, like, driving a Ferrari through a park. It's like, oh, this is a cool movie. Because <laughs> I, I didn't really have the language or the way to understand. It's like, this isn't a good movie like, uh, like this was a huge hit. But this is an yeah. interesting movie that really never stops. It's like it's always <laughs> going. No, it's, and also I remember Kyle MacLachlan from Dune. Okay. It's, it's like, oh, well, he's in it. So, like, I like Dune, not realizing that's like, that wasn't really a good movie at the time. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, so this might be cool. Well, I think what's fascinating about this movie, because, and also, like, I don't know how to take it, because, like, essentially, I don't know when I saw it, or I, I, I always remember the ending of it, because that's very striking. Yeah, yeah. It's a... uh, um, and they played that on cable, so apparently that was okay. Like the most violent scene in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> just throw that on cable. It's like I've always known the twist. And so I always know, like, oh, yeah, there's an alien and they're transferring. And I was trying to watch it, think about watching it this time. It's like, and there is that early thing early on where it's like it jumps into the other guy, like about 20 minutes. And it's like, okay, you know what's going on. But like, nobody like there's like almost no exposition and i was like fascinated by the strength of this movie to not just tell you exactly what's going nope. on <laughs> this movie purely relies on visual and, and like no one's like hey wait a minute uh why is this <laughs> wait how is this happening uh, well, God, I was also like thinking of Terminator, so I went back like, okay, what's the opening of Terminator? And like, the, there's a there's a scroll that tells you like it's a 2047, the machines have, are winning the war, but it's not going to be fought. The future's not going to be fought, uh, or the the war is not going to be won in the future. It's going to be won tonight in our present or something like yes. that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also like later on about 15 minutes of the movie when Reese shows up he's like it's a Terminator T-1000 infiltration <laughs> you know he's telling exactly what's going on yeah. none of that shit happens here nope. at least not till like the end of the movie where like it's you're way too far in and you've already pieced it together yourself so but <laughs> yeah this uh, movie's like when it when you know what's going on yourself it's like well how are they going to explain it <laughs> and it's kind of like yeah in the middle of a shootout is we're gonna well you're not gonna like this but because most movies like this especially in this decade they don't trust their audience to know what's going on and so at some point they just give you very direct exposition yeah uh so yeah this kind of like i was fascinated by them not just doing that <laughs> it's like oh, we're gonna trust our audience and then of course that didn't work for them. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what like how 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 did this do at the box office? Not well. Okay. I mean, it made ten million, but it's hard to it's hard to find. There was a lot of stuff about different people that were supposed to be like you were saying, in the in the uh, lead roles. Yeah. Um. Oh, actually, it was considered to be a modest hit, making nine million dollars in the box office. Huh. So okay, it must have cost like two or three million dollars to make. <laughs> sounds about right and it doesn't look bad a... it's just you know oh no no no! it's like this is a pretty action-packed movie especially for what seemed like like they probably didn't have a lot of money it's like if your biggest name is kyle mcglaughlin yep. <laughs> but there's a new line release which like this guy did nightmare on elm street 2 and that was like their bread and butter so it seemed like they just kind of threw this guy another movie yeah um so because I don't think he did another feature after this, so I, he, I didn't know if like he. But oh, he said it's his favorite movie. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, he said oh, he, yeah, okay, he yeah. liked doing it. So we have Act 1. You start with the white titles on black. And then we cut to green titles over black and white security cam footage of a bank. And then uh, it's just kind of people walking by as, you know, they got the titles on. and We got the, the, the hidden comes up, and then it's kind of like inside the hidden lettering is like a picture of Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. <laughs> and then a guy in the trunk tr- coat walks in, and he kind of just stares around, so you notice him. He's like, well, this guy seems out of place. And then he just pulls out a shotgun and starts shooting security guards and other people. Uh, then he grabs some cash and then shoots the camera. Then we cut to color, and that guy's running out with a comical bag full of money a couple yeah. of them uh and then he gets in his ferrari and speeds away playing some metal music i uh like you you mentioned the cars was it was it you know all the ferraris in this movie or like which one was this well this one the one that was actually because there's only really one used was a 308 gts america okay uh and the uh what i read of it and what people say is like except for it exploding all the damage it took was real like because it was put together from three different ferraris because if you look as you see as it takes damage through the park you can tell that like oh that was painted red underneath the black paint (laughs) okay so but yeah they actually except for burning it up which was obviously that was a prop car you could tell too uh, but th- yeah, as far as the stunt driving and stuff, yeah, they really messed up a Ferrari because they already <laughs> had the parts for three other Ferraris. Because so. usually in, in movies like this, if you're going to destroy a vehicle that that's expensive, you just build a like a copy of it. So you yeah. have like you have the outside kind of um, not chassis, but what do you call that? Um, yeah, the body's just mock, just a yeah, mock up. Yeah. Yeah, you have the body, and then it's just like underneath is just like you know a Ford LTD or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then you can destroy it all you want because you just need it to look like it's a fast car, and then you can shoot around its actual performance. But here, I guess you're saying it's like, like oh yeah, I mean it was a built rebuilt Ferrari, but it was rebuilt from Ferrari. Yeah, so, and they really did mess it up. So. Yeah, from what I've heard. Um and i don't know if this is true because i'm just like piecing together like oh my dad worked on this movie and you know it's that kind of dive because there's not a lot of there's no like documentary like the hidden how it was made (laughs) you know it was kind of but yeah they actually because this was in almost a 10 minute chase scene there's no way they could use a fake one because (laughs) because they show the guy inside like operating gears steering all that you know and it's a big part of the movie it's the best scene in the movie or the biggest one (laughs) So uh, yeah, they they actually use as uh, it's called a 308 GTS America is uh, and they had one with an engine and transmission that worked and then uh, different body parts uh, available. So as they wrecked it up, uh, but they did not blow it up. It actually went back to whatever Hollywood studio you know car <laughs> thing, and they probably used it in other movies as a background car. Uh, the cops give chase. the The robber evades police for for quite a while. <laughs> it's yeah. a long chase. Yeah. Uh, his name's Jack, and he, he runs over a guy in a wheelchair, you know, just to show how evil he is, because <laughs> he goes out of his way <laughs> to hit the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, <laughs> like ah, this will be fun, and it ruins his and completely screws up his windshield. Right. And yeah, I love how him. big five thousand pound police cars, because they're using like this movie was made in eighty seven. They were using cars that were. The, 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 and those police cars were used all throughout the 80s whenever you made anything about L.A. Yeah. Uh, those cars hadn't been in service since the late 70s, but they had so <laughs> many of them. They're like, yeah, this is what we're using because we can literally smash up five of these and we're out a 1000 bucks. 
those cars could not keep up with that Ferrari, and, and they couldn't outturn it, definitely. They couldn't keep up with it in a straight run either. But it was kind of funny. It's like, oh, they're really really trying to make this look uh, spectacular. Well, it, later on, one of the patrol cars was like a Chevelle or something like that. But I don't know. <laughs> they had different cars, yeah. They had okay. all different. Um, but, yeah, oh, the actual like the cars that- they would have had then would have been the square light Caprices. Okay. With uh, with usually the, with the small block V8 engines, which also would not be able to keep up with that Ferrari, <laughs> but they would have weighed a lot less and they would have had a better chance maybe of, but those big giant 70s cars with like those 400 inch cubic I- engines, there's no way they could keep up. Oh, I mean, like this, I mean, I, even though this scene is cool, it's also like super cliche. So yes. it's like... You know, you have like the guy going in a straight line, and he decides like, ah, I got one more gear to go even faster. It's like, dude, you should already be in six gear. Yeah, <laughs> you should be heading down the Santa Monica freeway at 130 <laughs> miles an hour, where the only thing that could catch you would be a helicopter, which they didn't have that many at that time. You actually could get away. But that's what's cool about this movie because you realize. Like if you if you're just watching this, you don't know what's going on. It's like there's something seriously wrong with this guy. Like he yeah. is choosing to kill people. Whereas some, <laughs> even in movie chases, usually the bad guys are like no, and they'll try to turn or whatever because they don't yeah. want to hit the guy in the wheelchair or the two idiots moving a big pane of glass across the busy street yeah. <laughs> and that nonsense. Which those are all cliche scenes, especially the guys moving the window. But it's different in this movie because this guy just like actually kills him. He's just like, I'm just gonna hit him. Yeah, with they this hit car. one of the guys carrying the glass. Yeah. Usually they just hit the glass, like yeah. that's a cliche. It's like you hit the glass and then you hit the magical fruit stand that's apparently on every like street yeah. side, and then you hit like a, a pyramid of boxes in a corner. That that's like the cheap way to do like that's your TV chase car chase, because it's like this is cheap and easy to do yeah here they throw it on just do a little just do it a little bit different make it a little more violent <laughs> i could not find the music for this movie at all i i because I, uh, I couldn't figure it out good, like it has good music yeah it does have good music i couldn't find a succinct listing of it so i don't know why that was because for all the other shit i found out but it's like oh okay um, <laughs> Yeah, so he's basically yeah, driving I, around listening to Slayer or something that sounds yeah. <laughs> like that. It's not what it is, yeah. but and he looks like a middle-aged stockbroker. Yeah. <laughs> and this actor, by the way, you've seen this guy who plays Peter DeVries. You've seen this guy in all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I meant to look him up. I like he looks so familiar, but I didn't know. Like, Just a character like, actor and all kinds of stuff. Okay. He was in Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, the cops set up a, uh, they have a roadblock set up. Uh, the Ferrari gets shot to hell. Uh, it runs into the roadblock and goes in and then, like, kind of rolls into a fence. Uh, Jack gets out and laughs at him, and the cops open fire and, uh, again and hit him, and the Ferrari blows up, you know, just to put a cherry on top. Yeah. And they're actually using appropriate weapons, I think, for that because everyone has a 12 gauge shotgun. And it's just yeah. like when this car crests the hill, we're just going to unload. There's no way we can't <laughs> kill this guy. So they're actually like, they're not, one guy's using a 38 snub nose. It's like, no, 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 no. He could <laughs> go get a shotgun. Well, one of the detectives comes up and he just takes a shotgun yeah. from one of the patrol guys. So. And he licks his fingers like, oh, this is magic hour, magic time. We're going to do something cool with the shotgun. But actually they don't manage to kill him doing that. But well, they would have, but 
for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. We'll talk about the dynamics of alien <laughs> possession and like why this works and that doesn't later. But uh, cut to the hospital. Jack is alive but unconscious, and he's being kept on life support. A doctor complains about them keeping him alive as being cruel, and then Cliff Willis, played by Edo Ross, who very striking guy yes <laughs> he's kind of a character actor he had a crazy i gotta look this up because he had like a crazy 1987 let's see what did he do in 1987 he did this he did lethal weapon was he in robocop um I, maybe <laughs> yeah because i recognized him okay, okay so this is what he did in 1987 lethal weapon full metal jacket the hidden and then something called the Vern Miller story. He plays Ralph Capone. I don't know what the hell that is. No. <laughs> but yeah, that's a hell of a 1987 for one actor. I mean, he was probably working on Full Metal Jacket for like three years, and then that's just where it ended getting ended up getting released. So you know. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Kubrick is notorious for just hijacking actors' times, and because it's Stanley Kubrick, it's like, well, I'm going to be a movie star after this, even though. Almost nobody ever is after working with Kubrick. Yeah, never. It's like that's a great performance. This might be the only time you're nominated for an Oscar, but you're not going to be a movie star. Yeah, we're going to remember you. (laughs) He was not in RoboCop. I was thinking of another guy, but he is the face on the VHS box uh, cover. Yeah, he's got like kind of like this weird sharp nose and like striking blue eyes he's definitely a guy like who is that guy so he's like made to be a character actor because he kind of looks weird and he he makes you go like who is that guy <laughs> yeah this movie's like basically full of character actors <laughs> yeah yeah but anyways yeah he, the 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 doctors complain about like it's cruel to keep this guy alive and and willis tells him like all the crap he did and he's like he, he, he killed two kids with a butcher knife it's like you know we're we're we're, we're taking the, we're gonna keep this guy alive and put him in jail <laughs> oh, yeah, he's just been robbing places and stealing ferraris so it's fries are his favorite uh we cut to the police department and then some department heads are arguing over who get who gets back in their department it's like uh i, I think it's just a way to like like kind of big up Beck as being like you know like he's the best detective and like every department would fall apart if we don't have them but um but they're like one guy just wants them to like set up the senator security detail and the other guy's like no like, no we need him on homicide because we have way too many homicides um although in la i think it's a combination of because it's called robbery homicide right they like they're yeah. put together so yeah. I don't know how that works, but I just remember there was a show called Robbery Homicide. I was like, what's that about? It's like, is, is this people that get killed at robberies? It's like, no, it's a combination. of. <laughs> Usually these crimes run together, so they just have a unit of specialists. Yeah. Well, also I was like thinking about like, you know, small towns. It's like, all right, like a small town doesn't have a devoted like homicide pol- police force. So often, oftentimes it's like, somebody has to come in from a bigger city to do like a homicide uh investigation rather than like your local sheriffs uh sometimes i I, again i don't know how that works i don't know what happens when somebody gets murdered in a small town like who comes and what happens but there's another tv show that was like a thing where it's like uh it's actually based on a like a swedish show but um in the american version it's in portland it's like you know they don't have a homicide division but they, they there's the guy who's like working in like 
he like works in uh like he's like a traffic cop but he's like their their best homicide detective because they don't have a homicide division yeah <laughs> so whenever there is a murder they get him in i think it was called mud or something like that i can't remember it starred the guy from one of the guys from the office it was like rain wilson yeah 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 okay he was the detective with a really bad attitude yeah yeah but he was a genius yeah yeah I mean, that's why he was on that's why he was on like traffic patrol because he was always in trouble and that was his punishment but like whenever there was a a homicide it's like well he's the genius we got to get him in so we're going to tolerate him for a while because <laughs> yeah like you know law and order makes sense it's like actually i don't know how many homicides happen but you <laughs> you think new york like well there's got to be at least a homicide once a day <laughs> yeah it actually wouldn't be outsized depending on their number <laughs> Uh, but I actually don't know. I don't know. It's like, you know, fire departments, like it's, you know, when it's smaller, it's like a volunteer thing, which I still, I don't know how that works, but like, if it's a bigger city, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're on duty all the time, but also like, you know, Hey, fires don't happen all day. So sometimes you're just at the firehouse working out or whatever firemen do <laughs> cleaning the fire truck. <laughs> and then of course, you know, some libertarian sees that and it's like, Give me my money back. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. It's like, all right, dude. Well, next time your house burns down, you can get your you can get your third party privately owned fire department to come out yeah. and help you out. They'll show up. <laughs> once the fire's out. It's like, hey, we get paid either way. It doesn't matter to us. That's the beauty of capitalism, right? <laughs> Then we have Lloyd Gallagher shows up. It's Kyle McLaughlin. McLaughlin, he's an FBI agent, and he shows up looking for he's looking for Beck, played by Michael Nori. Uh, Beck is annoyed by the intrusion intrusion on his cases, so he goes and hands his case over to the ginger, who's like, "No, don't put that on my desk." <laughs> I haven't seen my wife in three months, and then everyone's like, "I saw her last night. She's fine." <laughs> She's getting a little fat, though. Is she drinking too much beer? You know, I mean, it's just it's like the worst kind of weird locker room. Um, it's like, ah, we're course. all guys here. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Kyle McLaughlin is playing like a weird sort of emotionally stunted FBI agent from uh from seattle which is weird because this predates uh twin peaks yeah isn't that uh, where I mean, kyle mclaughlin's from is is that part of the world i don't know maybe uh, let me look real quick yeah he's, he's from yakima like washington oh okay okay so yeah he's he's a he's the pacific northwest embodied in a <laughs> human i think he was on like uh uh, Portlandia a bunch too. Yeah, he was the like... mayor of Portland, and he was always <laughs> okay. doing something weird. Like he threw away paper wrong. I've got to exile myself. You know, is there that kind of crap? It was something like that. You know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Beck and Lloyd are both looking for Jack. Uh, Lloyd leaves when he finds out Jackson's in. Jack is in the hospital. We cut to Jack waking up in the hospital. He goes over to the patient next to him and releases some sort of parasitic alien through his mouth to the other patient and it's a very violent transfer yeah it's like he a throws of... a slug up into the other guy's mouth 
Yeah, but, but it's like huge. The size of like an anaconda or something. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's this giant slug. It's like you know, it's and of course it's just full of slime, and like the effects here are pretty pretty well done. I mean, you know they're like both like dummies and stuff, but it still looks terrifying and realistic enough. <laughs> it horrified one of the actors that saw it in the post. They were like, "That's." Because I guess they made a mock-up of his head, and there was just a guy's arm inside the slug, just forcing <laughs> that slug into the mock-up of his head. And he's like, "That's yeah. gross. That's really awful." <laughs> and it really doesn't show it that closely in the movie. It's not. This isn't like a super gory movie. No. There's a few things that happen, but oh, and by the way, it's the special here, effects of that were from the. They were borrowed from the thing. Oh, okay. The kind of cicada effect, like when the dog turned into the dog flower thing. Oh, in the yeah, kennel. yeah, the noises. Is like, yeah, yeah it, that was borrowed from the thing. They actually give credit. They're like, yeah, we got that from the thing. <laughs> uh, the, the the new guy wakes up. Uh, he He's having a carter. They cut to it. Like, it's kind of a moment later. Jack is on the ground dead, and then we see the guy, other guy having a cardiac arrest. Uh, then he just kind of wakes up and leaves the hospital. So now you know it's like, oh, he's transferring. Like this thing is transferring bodies, and just using people. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd comes in to see Jack dead, and then Lloyd follows up at the hospital on like the new guy whose name is Jonathan Miller, and so now he's after him. So now you kind of know. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, okay. So this guy knows that this thing transfers, but I don't. I don't. I don't. Did you? You had a. Did you already know, like, you know, there's two aliens chasing each other? Or No, I, I thought, that... when I watched this movie, I thought, oh, this guy is from the FBI. But it's like, he's like the, oh, he hunts aliens for the FBI. Like, it was, you know, pre, oh, okay. uh, before, that was, this was way, this was before X-Files. So it was like, I just thought he was a government person who maybe wasn't being honest about, yeah, okay. he's a bad criminal. Like, that's the cover. But no, we know it's an alien. <laughs> we just have to get rid of it at all because that's the because that's kind of the thing i was thinking about too because i never get to because i always know the twist so i never got to see this movie for the first time not knowing that so wondering if that kind of like makes the movie a bit more interesting when that twist kind of happens yeah i mean you don't expect i mean you'd act actually after a while you do because he has like the weird gun like the energy weapon yeah. And once you see that, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Well, that's not like FBI <laughs> stuff or, you know, or maybe our government has it, but that looks like we'd never make it. We'd make it look like a gun. Yeah. It would just be like mirrors or something instead of a barrel. <laughs> you know, it's. But, yeah, I remember uh, thinking for a while, it's like, oh, this guy's like FBI. But then once they go ride around in his car, you kind of get suspicious. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this, there's something <laughs> similar here. Um, then we cut to Miller stealing tapes at a music store. Yeah. And then Miller steeds, beats up the store clerk, uh, kills him, steals money and a gun and a boombox. Yep. <laughs> Which that was a thing in the 80s. There's yep. also that thing in Star Trek. Uh, oh, it's number Voyage four, Home. The Voyage Home. Where there was a guy with a boombox that was annoying. So that was a real, that was a real thing in the 80s of boomboxes and people being annoying. Yep. <laughs> I don't really remember that time, so I don't know if that was a problem or just something manufactured for Hollywood. I think it was something probably imagined. Okay. <laughs> because remember, they also used to call boomboxes ghetto blasters. Like, that was yeah. the bad name for them because you knew <laughs> what you were implying by saying that. It's yeah. like, where do they play the ghetto blasters? Well, we know where. 
So <laughs> we know what kind of music's being played and who's doing it. And so, yeah, it's immediately like a bad, like we need cops to deal with these things. <laughs> uh, we, you know, when they have, when they have the loud music, it's time for the police to show up and, and set, set everyone straight. So now Lloyd is on the lookout for Miller. Beck gets a call on the music store murder. Lloyd's already there, like questioning witnesses. And then Beck pulls him aside. He's like, Hey man, you're, you're like intruding on territory. I thought you're done here. Your guy's dead. And he's like, no, nah. <laughs> like they knew each other. <laughs> like this is, this is connected. Uh, we have a witness that identifies Miller. Now Beck is more inclined to believe Lloyd, but he's still skeptical of how he came up with the connection between Jack and Miller. Floyd says Miller changes his identity, commits some crimes and then repeats the process. But he doesn't tell him like how that happens. He's just like, no, it's the same guy just changing his identity. <laughs> Which is basically the only way you could say that out loud and have it kind of make sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love that the guy's just like, no, I can't tell you what's going on. You won't believe me. <laughs> and then when they eventually have that, he doesn't believe them. Because, like, yeah, see, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then they head out in Floyd's Porsche, who Beck is like, I didn't know the feds paid people this much. And he's like, how much did you pay for it? And he's like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> and he's like, I stole it. Yeah, which which you know is kind of implied as a joke, but no, it's true. He just stole it. Yeah, and he's driving a Porsche 928 S. <laughs> is the car in this movie? That's a really nice looking, quaint car. So. Yeah, those are interesting cars. I mean, they had big engines in them for Porsches. Some of them got up to 5.4 liter V8, <laughs> which is a huge engine for a car that small. Well, the interior looked like it was like somewhat comfortable, and it was a fast car. Yeah, oh like, yeah. You know, the, the Ferraris, you're basically like sitting in a tub. <laughs> yeah, no, Ferraris <laughs> don't look comfortable. <laughs> no. I've only sat so, in one, and I was like, yeah, I'll never drive one of these. <laughs> so that being the end of Act 1 is that now we know the sort of like, okay, there's this alien on the loose, and they're chasing him. <laughs> we know it transfers between bodies. So you have Act 2. We cut to Miller. Is that like a diner? He's listening to loud music and eating, but like only the waitress seems to be annoyed by it. Yeah, the families <laughs> like, and stuff are kind of staring at him, but staring at him. <laughs> For some reason, Miller sees sees a uh, like a broadcast of like a politician, and he turns down the radio to pay attention to that. But that's just kind of a plot point for later on. But here they don't state it out loud, which is kind of like, oh, keep this in mind. But then Miller has some like stomach problems where like people come here and farting and his like stomach grumbling and that's when people look at him like oh what's going on with this guy <laughs> they don't care that he's listening to like heavy metal music or anything like that yes farting is really getting to me it's you know the, the death <laughs> metal or whatever it was back then is... uh then he sees a, a like a, a ferrari and he like begins a foot chase to go chase down the ferrari yeah but his body isn't cooperating because this guy was you know like in the hospital for you know various medical conditions so his body can't chase down a ferrari on foot well essentially his stomach is falling apart and he's in the midst of like all kinds of heart problems yeah uh we got uh lloyd and and becca arguing because floyd is obviously withholding something because obviously he's not gonna tell him that they're chasing an alien and then we cut to miller he's at a they're at a ferrari dealership and he says he wants a ferrari the guy's going to buy a Ferrari, and then the car salesman gets the muscle to come out to kick him out. And then Miller fights back and shoots the guy. <laughs> you know, he just kind of punches him and then just, like, puts a, like a, a pistol, like, right to his chest and pulls the trigger. 
And then the, we cut to the car salesman and customer are doing coke while finalizing the Ferrari deal. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Miller comes in, gets the keys, and then shoots everybody. Uh, and then he drives away in a what is it, a red Mondial or Mondial? I'm not sure you say it. Is yeah, it it's, the... it's the Mondial 3.2 Cabriolet. <laughs> This one they did not have permission to damage in any way, so it doesn't really. Oh, okay. They don't do a lot with it except one scary, like fast exit from the, the tackiest Ferrari dealership you could imagine, <laughs> the sleaziest Ferrari dealership you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, then we show Miller like kind of cruising for women, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he's. Kind of there. The, the, yeah, the the characters like the alien doesn't seem to exactly understand what's going on or it seems curious about things. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's doing weird things like let's cruise for chicks. And then it's like, Oh wait, no, I'm dying. Um, let's, <laughs> you know, go to the guy who was buying the Ferrari who I shot. Let's go to his import business. And he happens to be like an arms dealer too. <laughs> so like, Great. Um, because we have Floyd telling back that Miller, killed his partner back is surprised that he's on a that the fbi lets him on a revenge case essentially yeah <laughs> it's like, yeah, it doesn't like sound FBI very fbi yeah so that's again i was like yeah it isn't <laughs> um miller bursts into i wrote like some apartment but apparently this is like the guy's hideout where it's like because there's also something that says like wash hands that's so like acts like it's a business too there's a bunch of like like Asian decoration around and then just like closet full of guns. So this guy's just an illegal arms merchant. Yeah. So, you know, so that's convenient for him. Cause he's just going to grab a bag full of guns and go out. Cr- Cause like, I mean, this alien is basically just kind of like, even though it's not a true thing, but as you, uh, as you know, it as when you say something's like pure id, where it's just following all of its desires and doesn't care about any consequences or anything like that yeah i can't interact with people very well or communicate clearly and could why well, i imagine it completely has lacks empathy yeah which makes you wonder like because there is no well like i said this the strength and the weakness of this too is there is no exposition really it's like yeah. so are these things just born to like possess bodies and kill is like is that their purpose so it doesn't seem to be, or is this just a bad seed alien? <laughs> like, is this a sociopath alien that got loose? Or is that whole species like that? Or, you know, you don't know. Yeah, because there's time where it's like, it's kind of fun with the alien. It's like, yeah, I like Ferraris too, cruising around, shooting guns. And then, but it's like when it starts murdering people just because like they're in the way, like that's when it's like, ah, right, well, we can't accept that. Like yeah. now we need to stop it. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, because we see from like Gallagher, like he likes to drive fast and break the laws too on when it comes to speeding. Like he, so yeah. these aliens, even though you come to find out they're not even the same thing, like they like to, you know, they like fast cars, they like guns. So there must be something about them, or maybe that's just any species that rises to a point where it becomes inner, you know, interstellar must have a violent background because that's <laughs> how you get to the top of a food chain. I don't know. Well, no, I think uh, well, this is a multiple. This is a joke from multiple movies from the eighties. Uh, this was in Starman, I know, also, and probably somewhere else. Um, is that like, like in the part where Floyd is speeding, is because he sees a, re- a yellow light, and from his observa- obser- ob- observation in the world, when it, the light turns yellow, you speed up. 
Oh, nobody told them that. <laughs> but that's that's what people that's what aliens figure out when they have to end up driving on Earth. It's like if it turns yellow, speed up because that's what people actually do. It's like I'm not stopping for this light. <laughs> Gun it. <laughs> Uh, if I speed up fast enough, I'm not running a red light. I'm speeding through a yellow. Uh, I mean, that's what I got. It's not explicitly stated, but I just remember in Starman, they explicitly state that because the, the the lady's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, once well, yellow, you speed up. Yeah, this is, that's what it means, right? I'm just by watching you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, if, uh, we're at the, the, the gun house. Miller finds a rifle. A, a room full of rifles. Also, this is where we see that Miller's host's body is dying and it's rejecting the parasite. Uh, he's like just bleeding and like there's like a little snake thing that comes out of his arm or whatever. Yeah, he has to like duct tape his arm shut. <laughs> so the thing that he is is not trying to come out. It's like, well, you can't control yourself. Like that's the parasite's tentacle, but you know, it's just it's a weird scene. It's just like it does uh, remind you, like, oh yeah, there's something evil at work here. <laughs> Uh, then we come back to the precinct. Sanchez, who's played by Richard Brooks, who was like on Law and Order yeah, for like six seasons. Everything seasons like that, yeah. <laughs> this guy was born to be a cop on TV. <laughs> uh, he he comes up with a flamethrower that they'd pulled off the streets. and You know, that's just a thing for later on. It's yeah. Because kind of they're like, what the hell are you doing with a flamethrower? It's like, isn't this neat? And they're like, I guess. Yeah, it is kind of cool, actually. <laughs> I don't understand how it works. Um, but, yeah, it looks like it would be good for, like, one, two shots. But it doesn't take much with a flamethrower. <laughs> um, you couldn't pay me $1,000 to hold that in my hands, let alone fire it. But, okay, it looks cool. It's got like three tanks on it. Like, are they all the same thing? Or are they all doing something different? <laughs> I, know. I mean, I know how, like, you know, you've got a, I know a flame tank you have like a, or in a flamethrower, like a backpack unit, you have like a pressurizer and then fuel. Usually you have two tanks, so the fuel goes down at the same rate, so the guy's balance isn't off. But then the third outer tank is usually a pressurizer just to throw it out. Because oh, okay. you don't want to put like flammable fluids under high pressure and then shoot it out the front. Because then, like, yeah, wait till that gets shot with a bullet. <laughs> that's gonna be the human bomb. <laughs> At least that's what I understand about how flamethrowers work. I don't understand much. I'm not an expert, so anyone listening, please, I don't need people knocking on my door. Like, come out with your hands up. It's like I'm just telling you from what I see in TV and movies. And then Floyd gets invited to dinner at Beck's house. For the most awkward, uh, weird dinner ever. Uh, Floyd's awkwardly staring at himself in the mirror and feel, feels his face. So this is probably like the first time where he's like, oh, he's an alien. If you're if you really know what's going on. Um, yeah, in case you weren't paying attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lloyd meets Barbara and Juliet. It's a weird exchange. Yeah, it's really weird. I understand <laughs> like the- he thinks like. Oh, okay. He, it's like this guy's just trying to socialize, but he's also, I don't know how much, when this, this movie, I don't know what kind of direction the actors got, <laughs> because it seems like they just told Kyle McLaughlin's like, yeah, just be weird, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, I think it, everyone else got directions, and then Kyle McLaughlin was left off on a leash. Like, yeah. You do what you want. Everyone else is going to follow the script, and then, like, when that happens, everybody gets awkward. <laughs> it's like, um, you're not supposed to say that. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's how this works. 
Well, it's also supposed to be a thing like later on he says like he lost his wife and and kid. So this is kind of supposed to be like oh wife and kid. Like I know what this is like, uh, which makes the ending actually like weird and sad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we see Miller driving by the strip club, and then it's time for uh, the awkward dinner. And uh, Floyd says he's some somewhere that sounds like an alien world because that's he just says that state that states that out loud as he tries to figure out how like eating like mashed peas and <laughs> I don't know, like salmon patties. Yeah, he's having a real '80s meal, <laughs> but apparently he does, he doesn't eat wherever he's from. <laughs> yeah, because he says he's from some place that sounds like Arabic, almost like Rahamagan, yeah. or and it's like, yeah. where is that? It's uh, Northern California. It's like, oh, I've never heard of that one. It's like, yeah, it's there, you know. And that's how he ends like conversations, like, yeah, it's there or something. You know, he's always good. there's a really weird character, <laughs> but it makes sense because he's you know not a human. So yeah, uh, then he just really explains that his wife and daughter were killed by the the Miller um parasite or whatever it is <laughs> yeah uh then we cut to the strip club here, here we have brenda lee van buren that's the character's name played by claudia christian uh she's dancing on stage then we see miller is at the bar drinking and bleeding onto the counter uh and he's also got a bag full of guns you know <laughs> apparently the bouncer let that in <laughs> yeah come on in a bag full of guns what could go wrong Get a in here. Club? Yeah, a bunch of drunk, angry men who aren't going to have sex tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hand, hand one out to everyone. Just make sure it's loaded. Uh, here I have a character actor watch update. We yep. have Jack McGee as the bartender <laughs> who you've seen in everything. Yeah, everything. As soon as I saw it, I was like, God, that guy, he, he got his 500 bucks today. <laughs> what would be his most famous role? Oh, I can't even. Yeah, he's, he's well. He, I remember like one of the ones we did recently. We did Basic Instinct. He's like the sheriff in in, in that. Where like he they go looking for to Sharon Stone's character is like was she checked in here? And he's like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he's there. But yeah, this guy's literally in like 200 things. So yeah, he's like big character actor. I don't know, what is he? Is he like is he like from Boston? That kind of I don't know like where he's from. That's the kind of like vibe I get off him. He's like. Yeah, Some he seems like an East East Coast guy. Yeah, angry East Coast, like like a mob hanger on somewhere. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is this guy's persona. But anyway, here's he's just he's just a bartender for a scene. So yeah, like, he, he stands out. He just comes up to him. It's like, hey, you go okay, buddy? You're pale, and like he's he and he's visibly looking at the blood all over the counter. It's like, hey, you're pale. Yeah, you're bleeding out. Is everything cool? <laughs> no, I feel fine. That great dialogue delivered by because whoever this guy, uh, the actor who plays, uh, I've you've seen that guy in everything, too. Do you do, do you think? Um, oh shit, who, who's the guy from Full Metal Jacket? Um, um, that shoots himself. Ed Ross? Or no? No. Um, what's his name? Full Metal Jacket. Vincent, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, found at the same time. Yeah. Do you think he took any clues from this guy's performance for Men in Black? <laughs> um, maybe. 
because <laughs> i was thinking about that like it's got he has like this kind of weird like <laughs> like like his shoulders like move his body his head does <laughs> yeah i think there are some similarities there but i think the actor's name's william boyette I think William Boyette took a lot of his cues from the Naked Gun serials in the 70s <laughs> from uh what's that guy's name uh um Leslie um Leslie Nielsen Leslie Nielsen cuz he acts like Leslie Nielsen kind of but he's really awkward he, but uh, but uh, but the way he delivers dialogue is like oh he's doing the naked he's doing Leslie Nielsen from the Naked Gun <laughs> TV show so, yeah, that could be that there is a change from Leslie Nielsen through this guy to Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> or it's, um, this is just how actors like, you're an alien, act awkward. <laughs> okay, this is how I'm going to deliver my dialogue. Well, that's what makes this antagonist interesting is that he's kind of funny, too. Yeah. The way he does stuff. <laughs> he's very direct, but in a ridiculous way, in like a seemingly <laughs> nonsense fashion. I want the car. It's like just saying that's not going to get you what you want. I mean, you've, you've, you're very demonstrative in what you want, but you, it's like your plan is just mass murder to get to there. Because I think it's actually I think that's interesting about it is like they they are kind of logicing the character out. Because I figure like in a in lesser hands or a more unrestrained hands, this character would be like like have a huge personality, but it really doesn't. Here. No, it's just kind of like chasing down like it's it or whatever yeah it's it's there's no like inner monologue with this thing <laughs> it's just like drive kill drive <laughs> kill it's like why are you doing this it, just to kill it's like there's no Have you driven and killed before yeah if you if you knew you wouldn't ask me that question well it just goes like that's just like because that's also like baseline humanity and especially like baseline me like I'm really fascinated by speed and destruction. Now, there are things that limit it. One is the fact that I'm mortal. And the other <laughs> thing is, like, that costs money and could lead to prison. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if I could, like, drive things really fast or just shoot a car until it exploded, it would make my day. It would be the most <laughs> awesome. As long as I don't want to kill people, though. But I yeah. do want to see things go really fast and watch them just get destroyed. <laughs> that's why like if if like terminator robots were real and you could control them it would be the best thing ever because it's just like yeah just get on a motorcycle drive as fast as you can and like jump into the front of a semi it's like the best <laughs> coolest stuff ever as long as no one's getting killed it's like yeah. i love that stuff it's like f-16 what happens if it hits the ground at like twice the speed of sound like, let's find <laughs> out it's like because it's cool uh, not to experience, but to see. You know, you don't yeah. want to be inside the damn thing, but you do yeah, want to yeah. be. Like you said, you don't want people die, but you want to see expensive machinery eat <laughs> and fly apart. Oh yeah, I love like things being destroyed. <laughs> it's just like those oh, massive yeah. mining things they use in Germany to get all the coal. They're like as tall as a building, and they move yeah. those coal shovels. <laughs> I would love to see one of those like just run into the red line. Just to watch the whole thing just come apart, just because it would be amazing. <laughs> no, there's no sense in it. It's just, it's like this has got to be destroyed, just because it would be cool to see something that big, like just to see that arm break off and just fall, because it sounds like a building, like a tree coming, <laughs> you know, and it's just gonna hit the ground like a, like a bomb went off. It's like, yeah, I like stuff like that. 
but this guy this oh, thing just lives in that world like that's that's yeah. it that's like a breakfast <laughs> and dinner right there it's just <laughs> but then there's the murder aspect of it which makes it dark yeah i always like the um the uh the radio controlled uh commercial airplane cr- test crashes uh-huh yeah we'll fly into like a desert and see what happens you know, no one's on board so that's really cool <laughs> watch a 747 eat in the desert yeah like when they made that seven when they introduced the new less flammable fuel for air <laughs> for commercial aircraft it's like how are we going to test this take a 747 fill it with weighted dummies and we're just going to fly it into specially made barricades in the desert where it will specifically rupture the fuel tanks and the wing it's like, how the hell are we going to do that? Remote control. And we're going to have cameras <laughs> everywhere. It's going to be a one-and-done, multi-million-dollar test involving the U.S. government, three lottery winners, a former pope, everything. We're doing it all. And it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see. Because <laughs> that's exactly what that happens. That plane kind of goes in. They bring it in sideways. The things clip the wings. The fuel spills out everywhere. It kind of flashes over, but then it doesn't burn. <laughs> but they then they did one with the old fuel, and it's like the thing's complete aluminum skeleton in five minutes. It's like that's <laughs> we can't have any more of that. Not with people on board. That is bad. Uh, some patrol finds the stolen Ferrari. Uh, Beck gets a call in the middle of the night, uh, so Beck wakes up Floyd and he gives him some Alka Seltzer. This is funny because he doesn't know how to use Alka Seltzer. He starts chewing on it. He's like, "You got to put it in the water first. Which actually, I I. I kind of empathize with, or that's not the right word, or sympathize, whatever. I've, I don't think I had Alka-Seltzer until I was like 32. Yeah, that's I mean, a weird I medicine. Know how, I know how it worked from like commercials for it, but I never had it till then. But. I, was, I often wondered with Alka-Seltzer if there was more power, like if you just swallow it whole and then drink a lot of water. <laughs> It's like you're activating it at the source. It's like spraying water on the <laughs> or spraying fire extinguisher at the base of the fire instead of the middle of it because if you're doing it outside your body well you're spraying it at the middle of it but if you take the alka-seltzer and then drink but i never had the courage to do it because i figured oh some flap will close and my stomach will explode <laughs> or something like there's some reason you shouldn't do that you know well uh, the only one that i've used was like cold and flu blunt stuff which i'm does that what regular alka-seltzer is meant for no it's what, for like when you eat perfect. too much oh okay yeah it's basically a um Oh, I forget what it. This suppresses acid. Oh, okay. You know, there's like a billion ways to do that now, but Alka-Seltzer was <laughs> the because uh, he used bromine. Uh, that was the chemical. That's why you have to dissolve it in water. That's why okay. like things like Pepto Bismol and Tums, which came along, were a lot easier because they used different chemicals to. Uh, you didn't have to go through some science experiment to relieve your indigestion. <laughs> uh, well, let me get this voted on the podcast. There's only two of us here. Do you kind of like the taste of Pet Bismol, or is it completely hate, or do you completely hate it? No, I kind of like it. Okay, because that's how I, I kind of like it. And there's like, I've I don't think anybody's ever taken advantage of like, because it's hard to describe. It's like almost bubble gum, but not. Yeah. And it's like there should be people making Pepto Bismol flavored things. <laughs> yeah. Like vodka or something. Pepto vodka. <laughs> Yeah, see, Pepto Bismol has um, ah, uh, what what it, it has something. It's called bismuth. 
Um, <laughs> and I forget what that what that does. It's it's some kind of um, it's an anti-inflammatory essentially. Yeah. I'll just say that. But there's something. Um, uh, there's something that it does because it also like destroys bacteria. But yeah, the reason it has a weird taste and uh, stuff like that is is because it's like that's the best they can make that uh, <laughs> that that taste because it's actually like the bismuth would is, is actually like a black like tarry liquid. Yeah. So it's like yeah, they have to really uh, dye the hell out of it. <laughs> and because uh, it can make your stool black, it can make your, uh, it can turn your tongue a dark color. Um, but yeah, that's because the more I'll tell you what, if you like the flavor of Pepto Bismol, the more generic the Pepto Bismol, like if you go off brand, the more intense that flavor is <laughs> because they're using less refined ingredients. That's why it's generic <laughs> and it costs. It's not just because they're not paying for advertising; they're using less refined <laughs> ingredients to get the same. Yeah, but if you go like uh, if you have like a work uh first aid kit and it has something in it called uh bismo pop or so you know it's it's like you you know what it is it's pink but it's they it's off brand it's like that'll be really intense pepto bismo flavor <laughs> yeah we, we totally see, went down a rabbit hole there yeah uh well you yeah, know we have a we have a antagonist with stomach problems and he doesn't well we were talking about alka seltzer not but now we're back to miller whose body's being rejected he grabs Brenda in the back room, uh, and then he takes her over off screen. We don't see that happen. Yeah. Really, like, all the takeovers from here on out, they're all off screen. <laughs> yeah, it's too expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brenda walks out of the place in a revealing red dress with a bag full of guns. <laughs> yep. Uh, she gets hit on some drunk guy who... I was assuming owned a Lamborghini because he has a Lamborghini jacket, but he doesn't. Yeah, I was expecting. I was like, wait, is there a Lamborghini in this movie, too? It's like, no, just in the showroom <laughs> of the sleaziest <laughs> car dealership that ever sold $100,000 cars. Uh, the detectives go over to, to Miller's dead body. Then we cut to Brenda's having sex with a guy and kills him or whatever was happening there. <laughs> yeah, it looks like but sex, but I don't know how you kill a guy with sex. I, I think she just choked him to death or whatever. But, yeah. But, you know, they, they don't get it in close or anything like that. They don't show you, like, uh, what what does an what does an alien know about, like, human anatomy? Like, probably not much. So we they, But they don't get in close to that and play that joke off. They just have him die. It's like. Yeah. And then she steals his car and takes off. Oh, she has, like, a like an old Buick or something. Uh, that's <laughs> a 78 Cadillac. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cadillacs are cool. So, yeah. Yeah, because she would probably enjoy that. Uh, Brenda gets chased by a patrol car. Um, then she stops, and then she gets out, and she like feels herself up for a bit, and then pulls out a shotgun while the cops are distracted and unloads it at the cop. Floyd and Beck catch up to Brenda. Uh, they see the guys like the other guys. Are, the, this is like yeah, they have some sort of like Chevelle cop car or something, but they they didn't get hit or anything, but they were they're hiding away from getting shot at, which makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, what I do. But they catch up. <laughs> They catch up to Brenda. It's a chase and a shootout. Uh, Beck is trying to shoot the tires out, and then Floyd's like, "Why don't you just shoot the tires out?" This is like, "What the hell do you think I'm doing?" Uh, then Floyd like gets out while driving and shooting at the same time, and he he gets the tire on the second shot, and then the uh, Cadillac crashes into like a fashion shop, and then Beck and Floyd are like carefully moving their way into the creepy back room full of mannequins, so they're like getting behind cover and stuff like that. Um, 
which I always appreciate that. You know, it builds tension, and it's like what somebody would do. It's like, I'm not wearing body armor. This person's way more heavily armed than I am. Like, let's take this carefully. One corner at a time. Yeah. Um, and then they have that weird thing when they're going in where uh, Beck's, like, telling uh, Gallagher, he's like, I'll cover you. And Gallagher's like, I wish you wouldn't. Remember that is like it'd go better if you didn't. Like he doesn't have any comp. He doesn't have any confidence in his marksmanship. Oh, oh! I thought he was just. I, I thought he was. He didn't understand the concept of covering. Uh, well, yeah, it could be that too. But I think it's after like, the the how shoot, is that going to help if you're like holding on to me? It's like no, no, no. I thought it was because of his inability to shoot a moving vehicle from another moving vehicle's tires out. From behind, <laughs> okay. not from the side, from behind. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, and the, I don't know, do you, do you think with this alien possession stuff, do they, do they retain any of the knowledge from the host, do you think? Or is that completely gone? <laughs> it's, I, I'm not really sure. I don't, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like it's just like a death of the host. Okay. Kind of like when the butterflies took people over in Peacekeeper. <laughs> it's like yeah it just erases whatever they were yeah that's what i'm assuming then brenda opens fire with her shotgun uh beck sees her take like several gunshots without flinching so he's like this is weird <laughs> yeah and this is what i don't um, understand i mean i get it like you need the special ray gun and it's alien anatomy like okay that doesn't make any sense but i it's a MacGuffin. whatever this is what you have to do but human beings still have like hearts and lungs and nervous systems and i don't know how the alien is controlling it so completely like you can just take a shotgun blast to the chest and just keep on moving <laughs> it's like no they're gonna shut down they can't their body doesn't work that way well i mean like i could understand like like okay it could technically still move as long as there's blood in there or whatever but like you know they never get into like the dynamics of no. like well what if you just shoot the knee out like it can't move if the knee's not there but they don't get into that no it's, it, it is it is it was kind of weird watching it this time because i hadn't seen it in a long time and it's like oh yeah she's soaking up a lot of damage that she shouldn't and also there's a big slug in there somewhere like isn't <laughs> it also soaking up damage yeah, because yeah. those are those are just kinetic impact. I mean, kinetic impact weapons. No matter whether you're using gunpowder or whatever to throw them, like that alien can't like displace that that force into the universe somehow. It's got to be absorbed or deflected in some way. You know, that's why guns will work a thousand years from now because <laughs> it's like, well, you can't really stop them uh unless you're like manipulating energy in some way we don't understand or something but that doesn't seem to be going on here but no. okay but Just, again they don't really get into no, the no, mechanics no. it's up for you to well that's why this out. is like a b movie and not a like a like yeah this won an academy award for the thought that went into it it's like <laughs> no it's just cool to watch well even if they ex explained everything i don't think that'd necessarily like, make it an a movie no <laughs> no no but um I don't know, that's a hard thing to do because there's a lot of movies they throw in an exposition to fix a lot of stuff and it doesn't make the movie better. In fact, it makes it worse. So um, so they just took the restraints like, well, we know the movie we're making. Let's not point. Every Let's not make everything obvious. Well, there's viewers that like footnotes and there's viewers that don't. And the viewers that don't <laughs> outnumber the viewers that do, because I don't mind exposition as long as it's cool. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Sometimes that's the best part of a movie. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? Like, like it's great in the Matrix because you're like, 
what's going on here and they explain everything and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah that's good exposition <laughs> whereas i don't think an alien anatomy lesson in the middle of this movie would like oh that 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 really goes with the flow of everything that's happened before uh brenda uh, uh tosses a shotgun and then makes her way to the roof with the styrock <laughs> yep as i always remember it's like being first seen that in in die hard but this predates die hard so yeah. i'm not sure what's the first I, I don't know what the first time that that appeared in a movie but it was definitely in the 80s so yeah i mean the styrog came out in like the 70s so okay i think it was probably worked its way into armors and hollywood probably by the mid <laughs> mid 80s and it looks futuristic yeah. too so oh yeah, yeah it's like a glock like it's a future gun it's like it was made in the 70s dude <laughs> <laughs> There's a rooftop shootout. Beck gets shot, and he like falls into like a hang off the roof. Yeah, it's a weird, like scary looking quick fall. Like, oh shit, <laughs> forgot about this one. Yeah, and he gets shot in the shoulder, so you know he's like can't really hang on that well. <laughs> yeah, he's not really. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of thought to hold um, on to. Brenda again takes a bunch of shots, uh, and then. Floyd pulls out. Yeah, Brenda has gun. no central nervous system at this point, but <laughs> still trucking along. Well, Brenda starts convulsing and then she just runs and jumps off the roof through a neon sign, which is cool. Yeah, it is one of the best like movie suicide off the roof things I've ever seen. <laughs> and then Floyd saves uh, um, Beck from falling. And then we cut to like a dog gets to Brenda's bodies first, and then Brenda grabs the dog and presumably transfers to it. But the dog is also the lieutenant's dog who showed up on scene. Yeah. Because it ran away from him like a bad dog. <laughs> and look what happens. You get you, now you have an alien slug. Oh, this dog really does some acting. They, they really ask a lot. About this yeah, dog. it's probably a really smart dog. <laughs> you know, because they have the dog basically convey like hate towards somebody, <laughs> which is interesting. Which, you know, I don't know. They were like, you know, waving a duck at it off screen. It's like it's just, flaring its teeth <laughs> beck's mad at, at floyd because he wants the, the the truth out of him um and floyd's just like an explanation won't help so floyd walks away and beck has him arrested <laughs> so have that being the end of act two because uh, they they don't get the they don't get the alien and now he's in jail so that's, uh so we have act three we're back at the precinct Beck's rifle shot to the shoulder seems to be peeling and just fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, they even show like, like where he's shot. It's like basically like the top, like it grazed his shoulder, but he, even way he has like a, a sling on. So yeah, <laughs> it's either bad or he got a through and through either way. I don't know. It's still, I don't know. It's a movie shot. So, you know. I guessing it's a th the best we could say is it's a through and through. Yeah. But yeah, there's no good way to get shot, but you know, you know, you, can't ask that of hollywood because you have to have people get in danger and then be fine the next scene to like heroically come back yeah we can't do like a three months later after rehabilitation it's like <laughs> okay we're gonna go get the bad guy you know it's <laughs> another detective comes in with info on floyd the fbi says he died in a forest fire and then his port partner stone has stolen floyd's identity because they have a picture of stone it's like oh that's Colin coughlin so um then we cut to the dog looking in the mirror, which that's a fun scene. It's yeah. Like, uh, and then it knocks out the lieutenant and presumably transfers by because it does. We cut back to the precinct. We have Beck is interviewing Floyd. 
Floyd says that all the people that they're chasing are a parasite from another world, and you can only kill it when it's outside the body with a special weapon. That's his weird ray gun. Uh, Beck doesn't believe him and locks him up. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, uh, yeah, that this is like, yeah, that's pretty realistic. It's like, oh, okay, space people, right? Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, because but if mind, I saw a like... stripper take like a whole magazine of hollow points, I might and, and then voluntarily jump off a roof. It's like, you know, there might be something weird going on here. <laughs> well, he doesn't even ask him about like, hey, what happened? Because like the the weird that goes by so quick. The idea is that like. Floyd and Stone were out hunting and then they get caught by a forest fire, but only Floyd dies. And he doesn't ask him, like, hey, what happened to your partner? Why did you steal his identity? Um, is the thing about your wife and child dead true? And, you know, none of that. Just kind of like, hey, what's going on with this thing? And then he tells Yeah, him we're, we're definitely stuff. folks making a lot more out of this movie than <laughs> watching it would, would indicate, <laughs> which is kind of what we do on this show. But it's yeah, like yeah. definitely in this one, we're like, Oh yeah, we're explaining things and pointing out weird ideas and thinking, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Really, this is just an accelerator to the floor action movie. <laughs> Beck goes home and then uh, Lieutenant John Masterson shows up at the precinct, newly infected. Uh, he's introduced to the senator security team. Uh, and then we cut to a lab tech is like accidentally fires the alien gun and blows a hole in the wall. Yeah. Uh, John grabs the alien gun, a grenade, a rocket launcher, and a submachine gun. Uh, then John takes Beck hostage, and the other detectives are, like, giving chase, and they shoot down John. And then Beck takes the alien weapon, but then, like, John gets back up and starts shooting a bunch of other cops. Beck steals a gun from a fellow cop. He's like, go get a shotgun. <laughs> Cover the stairs. Uh, Beck goes to, to bust that Floyd out of jail uh so he like basically the guy like like guarding the jail he basically like strong arms and like yeah give me the keys <laughs> like there's also where you imply that like the transfer transfer process kills the host yeah so there's nothing of the host left over and when they leave there's there can't they can't go back to normal it's just just a husk essentially um at least that's all you know what we're told Cause yeah, this is quick. It's like, all right, explain everything to me in a firefight. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you get three sentences. John John comes after Floyd and Beck. He tosses a grenade at the guards. Uh, John calls uh, Floyd by his alien name, and then uh, suddenly Danny Trejo gets shot calling yeah. John a hippie. <laughs> hey, he's one, one of them hippies, roles. man. <laughs> right. Which I looked up as a you know you know. Because I most know him, but most famous from like uh, Desperado. Like, yeah, that's where I remember him first from. But I guess he was this is like his third role. I mean, he's a uh, his Runaway Train was like one of his early. Oh movies. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So and then I, I looked up like so many things. Is like this might be he has like four hundred and forty things to his name. That's like he this might be the guy who was in the most things. <laughs> he's the hardest working guy in Hollywood. <laughs> And there's multiple kind of character actors. There's character actors who, like, you know, they kind of play weird different roles. They just kind of come in with a blank character and it's like, all right, do your magic. And then you, then there's people like Danny Trejo where, like, they stand out so much. It's like, we don't have anything for this character. Go. And it's yeah. like, he because he stands out so much, you just put him in places because you will imply a lot because he's he's got he's got a lived-in face and weird tattoos. <laughs> so, yeah. 
and I think was actually in prison at one time. Yeah, yeah. So he's like the real deal. <laughs> John pops around the corner with a rocket launcher. It's like, ha ah, I got you. And then Beck shoots him in the head, and it kind of like ends up fly- firing the rocket launcher like down the hallway. And then somehow John runs off with a head wound, but obviously. Yeah, and somehow in this police locker, let's review this. They have alien gun. We have old World War II machine gun, uh, grenade, a law rocket, which may or may not be in a police lockup in Los Angeles. I don't know. There's a lot of going on out there. And no, he pops around the corner. He says goodbye. That's it. Yeah, because I remember it's kind of a weird line. Yeah. He's like, bye, and then he gets shot in the head. And then as he's reeling back, the rocket fires and basically blows an escape route for yeah. our heroes and villains. But, you know, this does prove that, like, you know, it's like the alien almost treats the body like a marionette rather than there's not, like, a vital part that can be hit. So it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, this is the first headshot that's revealed. Yeah. Where it's like, well, that just destroyed the higher reasoning functions and, you know, the motor controls, <laughs> but apparently the slug does all that, so. But, I mean, it does have to, like, but, like, if it runs out of blood, then the body won't work, so that's, right. that's the kind of the ticking time clock for the parasite. It's like, <laughs> it's good. running out of blood, we got to get to the next host. Now, both the aliens do agree that, like, because they're having their conversation, and they, they do agree that, like, humans are better to be in because Altarians yeah. are filthy. Yeah. it's like wow well, okay i don't know what that's all about yeah no, yeah it's up for your imagination of what that because we're always so. shedding cells and excreting waste and everything else <laughs> and i can tell you by the metal stuff i've owned and glasses and stuff it's like oh yeah my body just eats everything eventually that's so like yeah i can't imagine what what are altarians they just sweat acid yeah are they just bugs or something yeah <laughs> Uh, Floyd shoots Beck with the alien weapon to show that it doesn't work on humans. Yeah, this thing that blew a hole in a cement wall earlier when mishandled, yeah, he just fires it at Beck, and he's like illuminated in light, but nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's not, what is it? It's not programmed for human skin or something. He has some explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only explanation and, you get in this movie. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, but it's like the kind of, it's sort of the dilemma for the movie. It's like it has to be out of the body for us to kill it. So that, yeah, it's like okay, so you can't just kill the host. You gotta kill the host and then kill the parasite. Well, it kind of lays saying the parasite kills the host when it leaves. Kind of lays the groundwork for like what happens later. Is like oh well, that guy was dead anyway. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's no recovery. Yeah, there's not like well, you just killed that guy. Couldn't they have brought him back? No, no. It's like, <laughs> Uh, they find John's body, and here they get a clue that Willis has probably been taken over. So uh, Willis shows up at, like, uh, I'm not sure this is where the speech was supposed to be. Um, this is the center's big speech, or this yeah. is just the hotel he's at or something. I think it's where the speech uh, was supposed to be. But Okay. Uh, the sc- the security stopped Beck and Floyd because they're, like, running in with guns. They're like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, you got to get those in a bag. <laughs> Uh, but then they alert the security that, like, Willis is there, to, uh, you know, and he's after the senator. Willis shoots a cop, and the security team are, like, moving the senator away. Willis gets chased and shot a bunch. Uh, here, Beck takes two to the chest by Willis. Um, and then Willis gets to the senator. Beck is taken away on a gurney. And so it's like, oh, well, he's not doing well. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this isn't a pass-through. Or if it did, um, it passed through a lung. And then there's like a separate conference 
about like Willis, what they described as Willis's attempted assassination on the senator. Uh, but here the senator announces he'll run for president, but it's the alien doing its weird delivery. It's like, I'll run for president. And everyone just like fills in the gaps like, that's kind of weird. What do you mean? And then they start clapping. <laughs> it just has like the weird smile. I want to be president. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, it's inspirational. <laughs> he almost died. <laughs> now, the thing is, like, I don't understand, like, his aide or whatever. Now, she was in a closet, but it had shutters yeah. on it. So she just heard what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just, like, cool with it. Like, hey, if I don't say anything, maybe this thing won't kill me. Man, we're going to the White House with this thing. <laughs> yeah, literally, this thing. And then uh, Floyd comes in. He's, like, running past security guards, like, getting shot all the way. Floyd gets to the senator and then pulls out the, you know, the, the cool little flamethrower and hits him with a flamethrower. Which I'm guessing uh, was fully charged when it was put in the lock lockup. <laughs> this is a very violent scene. Oh, yeah. This movie's <laughs> like, this is where its R rating comes from. <laughs> Uh, the body is like charred and melting, and then you see the parasite starting to leave the body, and then Floyd hits it with the alien gun, and the parasite blows up, and then Floyd passes out. Yeah. Uh, we fade out, then we fade in at the hospital. Barbara is crying over like an unspoken diagnosis of Beck. Uh-huh. Uh, Floyd makes his way to Beck, who like, he's like flatlining in front of, uh, of Floyd, and then Floyd transfers himself to Beck. But it's not the weird, like, you know, anaconda parasite. It's just, like, glowing mist that transfers. So it's like, oh, so these must be different aliens that have, yeah. like, same kind of takeover method. Or different methods, but different aliens, but the same kind of, like, we have hosts parasitically or whatever. Uh, or if this is, like, the good version of the same kind of aliens. Yeah, if know. you're a good guy, you don't turn into a slug. You're just, like, <laughs> some kind of Star Trek light thing that... <laughs> everyone can feel good about the doctors come in they find they find floyd dead on the ground but beck is alive barbara is happy but then the daughter senses something weird uh and then you know this is supposed to be like you know and it's supposed to be this way it's like this is a happy ending because like the the one guy is going to be alive but it's like we know that like the hosts don't survive the transfer so now beck is just going to have to mimic his way as this person's like the 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 uh the father of this family and you know that's not gonna work out so that's why it's a bizarre weird not really happy ending no it's kind of <laughs> it's like are Fade we out. sure beck was gonna die or is this just the alien taking its tribute like well i <laughs> killed the thing that was gonna be elected president so now i get to take this guy's identity yeah i get my i get my wife and, and kid back in a weird way yeah. but it's like that's not really a good thing no Thanks, Beck. You took one for the team big time. Um, which is it. There is a sequel to this movie called Hidden 2, and it is, I saw it on Sci-Fi Channel one time. It is a very bad movie, but oh. the interesting thing, the interesting follow-up is like, is that Beck basically, it's like, the you know, it didn't work out. He ends up divorcing his wife, and nobody likes him because that wasn't going to work out. Yeah. But then they kill him, and a different alien shows up, and it's just not a good movie, so. I'd never even bothered to watch it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Hidden. It's a cool little sci-fi 80s movie that you may have not seen. <laughs> yeah, you should see it. I mean, it's a good movie. I, and when I, what I do, like, research on it, though, I hear people like, oh, this needs to be remade. I'm like, no, 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 come on. No, it doesn't. <laughs> 
I mean, I could, but I don't know. I think it's kind of perfect for what it is and as it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would be made today. Just They'd probably give the alien more character and it'd just end up being like almost like a Joker kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's like we... <laughs> This is the perfect character because it had none. That's what made it scary. It's like, oh, this thing just wants to kill and destroy. Like, there's no, like, it's not robbing banks or not for any (laughs) purpose other than mayhem. It's like, yeah, it's like if a, it's 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 weird. It's like it's like an animal, but if an animal likes stuff, yeah. (laughs) If an animal likes fast cars and guns, yeah, it's it's just yeah, whatever its base nature is, just amplified (laughs) through something intelligent and scary because. You don't know why stockbrokers and bankers are, are suddenly turning into murderous psychopaths. It's like, well, they're not really, but you wouldn't know that. It's probably the first time I saw the movie like all the way through, but I was actually surprised how restrained it was for like an eighties movie. Yeah, it was it's, <laughs> it's No, I was saying it was restrained for an eighties movie. Um and it was you know, and it doesn't spell everything out for you. You just kinda have to figure it out. But it's a it's a very simple to short movie, so you know. Yeah, it's not very long. <laughs> and it's definitely like a product of its time, but it's it's interesting because it's like, it's it's everything it says it is, but it's a real like simple version of it, and it seems to work well. It all seems to hang together pretty good. I mean, of course, there's things that are silly and you can laugh at or whatever, but it's like yeah, yeah for yeah. what it is, it's actually a really it's a good movie. Um, but it's knowingly ridiculous. Like yeah. you put on there is like knowing this is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, it never takes itself like it never seems to take itself seriously. I mean, yeah, it is almost like a naked gun movie in that way. Where it's like it plays it seriously, but we know it's like kind of, you know, kind of funny how things are. Yeah, only Beck's kind of like the the super serious one. It's like Beck is almost like in a different movie. Yeah, he's like he's a TV cop in a B movie, B horror movie. Yeah, this is a. Yeah, we're going to have TV cops and character actors in essentially, yeah, a horror sci fi movie. (laughs) <laughs> and we're gonna yeah we're gonna do that and it's like yeah it was, it was a weird idea it's a cool idea i guess this script was really popular like people liked some of the stuff in it um but they knew they couldn't really get, make these ideas into something like hugely commercially successful as a sci-fi movie so that's why like that canon or yeah this was uh no who's this this new lines horror division yeah. picked this up yeah no, it's just New Line. Like at this time, New Line, like that. Like at this time, it was called the house that Freddie built because that was where they started and made like a lot of the money with was with uh, the the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Oh, okay. And then eventually worked their way up to Lord of the Rings, and then then disappeared, and then came back. <laughs> Got bought. It's like, by oh, you only, else. you only made seven billion dollars. Why did you collapse? Like, I don't know, mismanagement. Yeah. <laughs> cocaine and hookers are expensive <laughs> cocaine hookers and no new ideas are expensive yeah that's yeah yeah when you're just coasting on you know royalties for eight years you're gonna burn through a lot of money in a hurry um, yeah but so anyway the hidden i this one i'd say check it out yeah uh it's not streaming anywhere but you know three dollar rental almost everywhere so yeah give it a rent yeah it's worth two bucks, three bucks, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to go full high definition with it or anything. It is totally 80s. <laughs> but it is cool. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I was going to get the DVD, but I don't think it would have got here in time because there is audio commentary on the Blu-rays. Oh, there. I didn't know that. Okay. So. For as much as this is a little demo that I appreciate, I probably should look into that. Yeah. Or not. I don't know. And it's a weird thing, like, on Amazon, because, like, I, I, you look up, like, they don't, like, list the special features on Blu-rays or DVDs. Like, does this have commentary? Like, I got to go to a, a, a second site to find that. Yeah. It's like, might want to list your features when you're trying to sell a product yeah <laughs> when you're trying to sell an obscure like movie with a weird blu-ray device you know from the 80s for 22 dollars and maybe <laughs> like list a few features it has a it has a weird designation let me look it up it has like it's like a, it's almost like a budget it seems like a budget thing of like wb like this is our budget division of dvds or something uh, let me look it up. It has, yeah, it's Warner Brothers Archive Collection. Okay. <laughs> Which I haven't seen before. <laughs> I don't know what that entails, but. But that um, might be on-demand production instead of having maybe. physical copies everywhere. Oh, no, this is the, I mean, it's what they call the Blu-ray version of it. Oh, okay. I thought it meant they were just making them as they were ordered. Like, this is seems some, because like, I know we've had a bunch of movies were done where like, afterwards i go i go see if there's a dvd of it and it ends up being like an arrow video which they they're kind of like a a b-tier criterion collection they do really good stuff but like they don't have the prestige that criterion does but like i'd say they're like on the same level from the stuff i've seen except they just don't have the you know they don't do like they have a lot of horror movies and schlock stuff they don't have like you know here's this prestige french film that won the palme d'or or anything like that but um this seems like it would be a good thing for them, but if Warner Brother owns this, they're probably um, probably keeping hold. Actually, actually, I don't know. Being that Warner, what Warner Brothers is now, maybe they're be looking to jettison this to somebody. Maybe we can buy the rights to the hidden. <laughs> Just have it be the official podcast of the Verhoeven Effect, <laughs> or the official movie of the Verhoeven Effect podcast. Yeah, it's sponsored by. Um, Brought to you by the hidden. It's a secret. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> we'll never know. That's yeah, yeah. It's a, that's an interesting title for a movie. I mean, because it doesn't it doesn't explain what's going on, but it is like provocative. Like what what is it? And it does sound like it's you know like it does like, sound like something from the fifties. <laughs> yeah. Like, much like the thing, although in the fifties it was called what was it the thing from outer space or whatever, or the thing from another world. That was the yeah, that was it. And then the eighties it was just the thing. And this also has the best like original VHS box cover art you'll see. Which one is that? Um, because on every database it's like this weird one where it's like a face that yeah, like that's split. it. That's it. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the best like cover art things i've ever seen for a you know for a movie <laughs> like this yeah this is, yeah it's like it's thoughtful it actually has something to do with what's going on in the movie anyways if you like what i heard and how can it you you can find us at anchor.fm slash vero or go to vero and take the same spot on your platform on your podcast platform of choice you can rate us you can rate us whatever you want the only thing the algorithm listens to is the highest rating remember you control the algorithm the album doesn't control you uh, we also have a listener support at veroneffect.com where you can sponsor us at a monthly stipend of either 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. Uh, you can find us at Twitter at Verhoeven Effect, Facebook Verhoeven Effect. You can find us on YouTube at American Greed Factory and watch both this show and that show live and unedited. 
And you can get our t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash greedfactory. So for the Barrel Effect Podcast, I'm Colin. And I'm Nathan. Goodbye, America.